0: Good morning and welcome to Victory Outreach Inglewood's Sunday morning service. We thank you for joining in and I have a couple of announcements, but before I begin, I'd like to thank you in advance for all of your giving. Your charitable donations go a very long way within our church and help our ministry achieve its mission and thrive. We've made donating so very easy too. All you have to do is go to our website and click the donate tab. We thank you in advance for all your giving. We want to let you know that prayer is being held every Wednesday night at 7.30 online. So we'd love to
1: see you. Please join. And as well as Bible studies, we're also holding them on Tuesdays at 7.30. So please reach out to your selected Bible study leader. Man, good morning, my brothers and sisters. I want to pray for the needs this morning. Before I do I just want to remind you guys about the passage in Jeremiah where uh, God took Jeremiah to a potter's house and he showed him the potter working on the pottery. And he told him, you know, can I not do with you as a potter does with this clay? And that's one of the beautiful things about prayer, man, that we're able to come to God. And no matter where we're at, whether you're on the mountaintop or on the highest mountain or on the lowest valley, you can come to God and ask him to intervene, ask him to fix, to mold, to shape whatever is broken. Amen. And God is able to do that this morning. So wherever you're at this morning, we're going to call upon the Lord and believe him and to minister and to move. Amen. Within your life. Father, we want to, first of all, we just enter your holy presence with thanksgiving in our hearts. Thanking you, Lord, for your faithfulness. Thanking you, Lord, my God, that you're able to move, my God, within our knees. Lord. We thank you for all the answered prayer, my God. We thank you for Kenny. We thank you, Lord, for Mikaela, my God, and Yasmin, my God, and the healing that's been taking place, the move of your mighty hand, your amazing grace that has been poured out, my God. And we continue to call upon you, my God. We continue to ask, my God, for your divine intervention intervention. intervention, Lord, within the needs of your people, Lord, that you continue, my God, molding and shaping our hearts, my God, all into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ, Lord, that you continue, my God, intervening, my God, in the circumstances that surround your people, Lord, making a way, my God, parting seas, my God, opening doors, Lord, rebuking demons, mighty God, blessing your people, Lord, providing healing for the sick, Lord. We continue praying, my God, for for healing, my God, and comfort, my God. We lift up, brother. Mark to you, my God, that you rebuke that sickness in the name of Jesus. Lord, we lift up, my God, a, a Sister Tina, my God, and Starlina, Father God, for healing, my God. Health, Lord, we pray health over their bodies, mighty God, in the name of Jesus, Lord. We continue praying, Lord, for Sister Edna, Lord, a Brother Frank, my God, Brother Freddie, Lord, we continue praying, my God, for their health, Lord, that you strengthen their bodies, mighty God. We also continue praying, my God, for those who are recovering, Lord, from sickness, Father God. We pray for a complete healing Lord restoration my God strength my God we lift them up to you Father God and pray my God that you have your hand of grace my God upon their recovery we continue lifting up our families our kids my God our unsafe loved ones my God praying for salvation my God for the ones that don't know you my God that you will bring them to that place my God where they'll surrender their hearts to you Father God we lift up Joseph also to you Father God that you would provide my God that right place for him Lord open up the door my God, for the right place, my God, where he will find that sense of comfort, that sense of peace, my God, oh, that place of love, my God, open the door for Joseph, my God, we pray, we lift him up to you, my God, that you will just turn, my God, remember him, turn to him, my God, with your favor, my God, and make a way for him, Lord, we continue praying, my God, for these government authorities, my God, oh, they're making decisions, my God, over the city, we pray, my God, for your intervention, my God, that you would mold them, that you would steer the course, my God god of uh, their heart like water my god for your wills to be done mighty god we continue praying for the healthcare worker my god essential workers for your protection over them lord we continue praying my god for those who are struggling financially lord that you would bless them that you would open up a door and make a way for them lord uh lift up brother gary my god that you would minister to gary my god and meet his needs my god also want to continue to pray for comfort lord for the grieving families we lift our sister Julia, my God, that you will give her strength. And the Perez family, my God, our sister Janice and Alex, my God, and the Cirillo family, Lord. We pray that peace and strength, my God, that you will be with them, my God, and comfort them, Lord. Also the Barfus family, my God, Richard and his family. Father, we continue praying for them, my God. Oh, just give them peace, give them strength, Lord. Also, Father, God, we pray for the Barba family, my God, and many families that are grieving at this time, Father. We lift them up to you, Father. We just pray that your grace be upon them, Lord. Your peace upon them lord see them through my god and any other need that is out there father any other burden my god that is out there lift the burdens my god meet your people right where they're at my god and just bless your people have your way we thank you we praise you we give you all the glory and all the honor and we ask all these things in jesus name amen good morning
0: victor outreach inglewood and welcome once again to our virtual worship service uh, we are gathering this morning, once again, around God's Word, and uh, I pray that uh, God speaks to your heart this morning. What a fascinating story. Uh, I've been reading it, and, and I, I know I tell you guys all the time that uh, you know, there are stories that are fascinating, but this has got to be one of the most fascinating stories throughout all the pages of Scripture. It's uh, 2 Samuel. I'll be reading from Second Samuel chapter 19. Verses one through four. Now, the story actually begins before that. And the story is one of the most amazing stories, uh, you know, in the in the whole Bible. Read it when you have a chance. Um, But I'll be reading the end of this story. Chapter 19, verses one through four. And I'm reading from the New International Version of the Bible. This is what it says. Joab was told the king is weeping and mourning for Absalom. And for the whole army, the victory that day was turned into mourning. Because on that day, the troops heard it said, the king is grieving for his son. The men stole into the city that day as men still in, who are ashamed when they flee from battle. The king covered his face and cried aloud, O my son Absalom, Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this morning we ask that your Holy Spirit, who was present during this event, is present now to speak to us, to bring clarity and truth. Reveal to us your word, my God, your lesson that we may glean something fresh and new from your word this morning. We thank you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, here in this story, David and his army had just returned from a battle. And it was a very difficult battle, perhaps in my estimation, the toughest battle David had ever faced in his life. Absalom, David's beloved son, had taken over the kingdom taking control of the national army and fought against David and David's fighting men. David had his own group of men. He fought against his father and his father's fighting men. Very tough battle. But after a brief and very bloody battle, Absalom and his army was defeated by David and his fighting men. And chapter 19 describes David's return to Israel after the battle. Now normally, after a victory, there would be a full parade, right? A a full parade. There would be music and celebration, harps and flutes and carne asada and hot links, and the entire city would rejoice. A victory meant that they survived the conflict. A victory meant that they were able to continue their way of life without interruption from the enemy, that the enemy is no longer a threat to their kingdom, right? A, a celebration, a time of rejoicing. Earlier in David's life, we read about the celebrations he had after winning a battle. There was always a parade in the streets. One of those times was early on when he won the fight against the Philistines. They came back and, and uh, you know, people were singing about all the people... David had killed. Remember that? And on another time, uh, they came back after a battle and David was dancing in the streets of the city until his clothes came off. Sounds a little freaky, but that was an end-of-the-war celebration. That's what it was like. They were so excited where the entire kingdom celebrated in song and dancing. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 Paul alludes to the same idea, but he applies it to you and to me. When we have our victory that we have earned in Christ, or not really earned, it has been given to us in Christ. That Christ has won a war on our behalf. And he says this, he says, Thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ, and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one, we are the smell of death. To the other, the fragrance of life. That wherever we go, as victors in Christ, that wherever we go, to some we remind them that there is hope, that we remind them that victories have been won on our behalf and that there is hope in Christ. But to others, we are a reminder of death. We are the smell, the fragrance of life and death wherever we are. That when we come to Christ, all kinds of battles have been won. Battles that you don't even know about Christ has won on your behalf. And from that day on, our walk in Christ becomes a celebratory march We are on procession wherever we go. An exhibition of joy. An exhibition of victory. We've won the fight for our souls. Eternal life or death was at stake. And thank God we were victorious. So for David and his army, when you think about what's at stake, when you think about what's at stake, man, you've got to win. You've got to win. There's no alternative. But this battle was different. It was very different. This was a civil war. And although the battle was over and completed, and and although the victory was won, David is just now realizing that he was fighting against his own son. I was fighting my my own son, my, my flesh and blood. right? Those weren't strangers we were fighting against. Those weren't the the Philistines or the Moabites. We were fighting and we won. Praise God, we won. But I was fighting my own family. And he's come to this realization. And when Joab, the commander of David's army, was told, hey, the king is weeping and mourning for, for Absalom, this was unheard of. It was completely unheard of. This was a new day in Israel's history. When has a king ever gone into battle and then regretted the outcome, especially after he's won? It's never happened before. And the entire army was confused. On the one hand, they knew they had won the war, but on the other hand, they could hear David mourning and crying over his son. They could hear the, the echo of his, of his cries throughout the palace. Wherever you were, you could hear. You could not escape this mourning, this deep grieving over a family member that was lost as a result of this conflict. He was crying out as if they had suffered a terrible defeat and they were victorious. You know, fights with outsiders are different than fights with family. Outsiders are people with no common connection. You know, no shared memories, no values, uh, shared values or or involvement with with us, you know, one to another. We, We have no intimate history with them. No intimate history with outsiders. Every battle that David had ever fought was against outsiders. People he didn't know, strangers, where, where winning is the ultimate goal. Where, where in warfare the goal is simply to destroy the enemy at all cost. That you come out on top. Destruction of the enemy is what you're after. To inflict as much damage as possible. To win by attrition. Which means to erode away the enemy. To erode their forces. To annihilate them completely. To kill to kill at at any cost. But the the first time, this is for the first time in in his life, David fought a a full-on war against a family member, against his own family, and he won. He won. But although he won the fight, there's no real way to defeat a member of your own family and celebrate. In a war with family, nobody wins. Both sides become losers. And every successful blow you execute against a family member is a blow you execute against yourself. Because the essence of a family is inseparable. The essence of a family is is unity, and and a family is interconnected spiritually as as well as emotionally and, and by blood. There's no separation. There are times when family members will say, you know, I'm no longer a member of this family. Or I'm no longer a a, a brother or a sister or a a son or a daughter. They'll say things like, you're dead to me. Right. It's it's ludicrous. it's, It's impossible. It cannot happen. We are interconnected regardless of what may happen. Just the other day, I saw Sister Debbie dancing in the the kitchen. She was washing dishes. She had her headphones on and she was like dancing. I'd never seen her dancing like that. I was like, man, what is she dancing? So I snuck up behind her and I grabbed one of the earphones and put it up to my ear. And she was listening to to Jay-Z. Right. And he was singing a song. Nobody wins when the family feuds. And I thought, wow, he's right. You know, carry on, Sister Debbie, bust a move. You know, when we fight with outsiders, we think about winning. We have to win when you're fighting against strangers. But there's no victory when families fight. Verse two tells us that for the whole army, the victory that day was turned into mourning. Because on that day, the troops heard it said, the king is grieving for his son. And verse 3 says, The men stole into the city that day as men steal in who are ashamed when they flee from the battle. The king covered his face and cried aloud, O my son, Absalom, O Absalom, my son, my son. In other words, when they returned from battle, the troops were ashamed to be seen. There, there was no celebration. There was no victory. David, the first in, the, 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 the one leading the procession, was in tears. And I'm sure people watching thought to themselves, certainly we won the battle. Certainly he's victorious. He's returning. Uh, you know, Absalom and, and his army is gone, they're, they're no longer here. Certainly we've won the battle. But why is he in mourning? Why is he in tears? They were returning from a battle that they fought against family. He fought against his family. He won against his family. How do you win against family? The troops were ashamed to be seen. And so so it's described that that they stole away. They stole into the city. In other words, they snuck back in. They came in sneaking back into the city the way a coward would sneak into the city after fleeing from the battle. That's the way it felt to the soldiers. They had good reason to march with celebration. They had good reason to march back in with joy, with their heads held up. But not on this occasion. Victory feels different when families involved. It's possible when families involved to win and lose the fight. It's possible you can win and and be victorious, thoroughly victorious, but at the same time be thoroughly a loser when you're fighting against family. Imagine King David returning from this, this huge battle, looking around after the battle, and having to say to himself "And all my servants have returned home, all my servants have come back safe, all safe, all accounted for, every soldier, every commander, but where's my son? Where's my family? Every other household can rejoice but his own. Every other household can celebrate. See, this is a question even Christians have to ask themselves from time to time. Pastors and church leaders, where's my son? Where's my daughter? Right? In in the fight for the gospel, in the fight to take cities, to win continents, to, to march forward with the gospel in the toilsome task of ministry, the believers come back rejoicing. Praise God, we've taken the city, but is your family with you? Is your family with you? How sweet can the victory really be when our children are lost? When they're a part of the battle we're we're fighting in. Husbands and wives, they start off with us in the battle and the battle somehow turns and, 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 and we end up fighting in our own household against those we love. But even as painful as it can be, and as much as we try to avoid it, this seems to happen all the time. Conflict, even the best of families. Conflict seems to happen in, in every family. All except, probably all except the Velardes family. I don't think the Velardez family has ever had a disagreement on anything. They're an exceptional family. But for the rest of us, Right. Just as it is in in, an actual war, family fights perpetuate themselves. Grievances pile up. Words are exchanged. Motives are misinterpreted, uh, misinterpreted motives. And and, and there's misunderstanding and, and retaliation is met with counter retaliation words and actions, and and did you hear what he said? Did you hear what she said? And before you know it, you have a full-scale war at your hands. And if you happen to win the fight, and I would imagine we would return home the same way King David returned on that day. If you happen to win the fight, you come back to an empty victory. Because family fights simply mean that everybody loses, even if you win, especially if you win. You have to live with the unpleasant knowledge that you've defeated someone that is closest to you. But praise the Lord this morning, if we can praise the Lord. It's not all doom and gloom. Praise the Lord this morning. We have one thing that we can count on. And that is that even in the worst of conflicts, even in the worst of the battles, and we have some bad ones among the families that we have here represented in our own church. In the worst of conflicts, there is something about family that is stronger than conflict. Something about family that is stronger than the fight. Now, it may take time. It may take patience and a lot of prayer, but as human beings, we have a natural God-given need to belong to a family. The Bible tells us that God places the lonely in families, that this is something God does. This is a part of what He does as He places people in families. He knows the need that we have to belong, a need that we have to be united. And family is what people need. This is why when family fights, nobody's happy. Nobody wins. If only David simply dropped the matter before it escalated out of control. If only he had dropped the matter. If only he had walked away. When he had time to walk away, he could have spared himself this enormous grief. But somehow the conflict gets us caught up where we have to have the last word, where we have to say the last thing, where we have to put in the last blow and we have to live with it for the rest of our lives. This was one lesson David had to learn the hard way. But I wonder if we can learn this lesson just by reading about David's challenges, about David's life. You know, it was about 26 years after this conflict that David's other son, Solomon, wrote a proverb. And, and, And I wonder if he had this battle in mind. At the time that this battle was raging, at the time when this household was divided, Solomon was just a young kid, just a young guy. And he probably saw all that was taking place, and it affected him deeply. And later in his life, he wrote Proverbs 17, verse 14, and he says this, starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam. So drop the matter before a dispute breaks out. Now this proverb, very simple, it it paints a picture. It's 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 a metaphorical proverb, a picture. And if you could imagine someone Striking a dam with a sledgehammer, striking a dam to break it. On the one side, you can't see the enormous body of water that that is piled up on the other side of the dam. On the one side, you're standing over there with a sledgehammer, just swinging away to break the dam. I'm going to win this thing. I'm going to conquer this thing. Swinging at the dam to break the dam. Only a fool would breach a dam. To breach means to break, and that's what he's saying. Starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam. So drop the matter before a dispute breaks out, right? Imagine that, hammering away as if a flood will not consume you. Hammering away as if a flood is not imminent, a flood that you can't control is not ready to overwhelm you if you win. If you win. Solomon said, drop the matter. Let it go, man. Just let it go. You're fighting against family. Let it go. The end result will never be worth it. And For King David, his victory over Absalom was like breaching a dam. And for the rest of his life, he lived under the flood of grief and remorse That never fully went away. You don't win when you fight against family. You don't win. Even if you're victorious, you don't win. So even if the parties in a family dispute ultimately get their way, win the fight, win the argument, somehow they never feel good about it. Because what's lost as a result of the conflict is always more than winning the conflict. So I'd like to pray this morning for families. Families, especially in times like this. What else do we have? We need to pray for families this morning. For the unity of families. For God's grace upon families. Believe it or not, family is all we really have. I want to pray for God's grace. I want to pray for breakthroughs. I want to pray for God's presence in your home, a sense of unity, a sense of love and peace. Let's pray. Will you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, we pray for our families, my God. We pray for your grace. We pray for your presence. We come against, my God, the lies of the enemy. We come against the conflict, my God. We pray Lord God that you would reveal yourself, that you would show up, my God. Father God, those my God who are facing conflict among the members of their family, I pray that you would remove the foolishness of being right. Oh oh God, remove the foolishness of having to win. I pray, Father God, for unity and peace, for humility, Lord God, that You would move in our midst, bring healing, my God, wholeness that will make us all together, that would make us well, that would make us whole. In Jesus' name we pray, and God's people say, Amen. Amen. I pray God's presence be with you, that he would strengthen you and just provide everything you need for the well-being of your family. God bless you and go and sin no more.